0: we're ready all right let's do it so we're going live and we are very live and alive and excited we are here on thursday another date on kubernetes live stream and i shouldn't say another date on kubernetes live stream interesting that this is live stream number 95 and the title has a number 99 in it with a little bit of a jay-z kind of reference very very happy to be here with someone we were talking before we got started lisa marie Namphy. and if there's anybody who is a date on kubernetes community OG, It's definitely Lisa. Lisa goes back not just six months, not 10 months, but over a year with this community, which is almost older than this community is, which is incredible. Um, So anyway, very nice to have Lisa from Cockroach TV with us and also joined by Michelle, who's gonna be kind of driving this talk for us. And this talk is uh, very much influenced by a report that Michelle has been working on or has, has completed, interviewing a bunch of different folks, DevOps and architects about their kind of challenges and experiences running data intensive workloads on kubernetes. So very excited about that and also uh, happy to share this link here in the chat. The data on kubernetes community has also recently completed a report. It's interesting to see some of the findings that we might have in common. But anyway, we'll get into all that later. Of course, you also know that we've got our DOK day coming up next week on Tuesday. I'm actually flying to California to tomorrow very very early. Um, But if you haven't signed up for that already, we've got about 3000 people who have so you can do that very easily. You've got the link right there. That's pretty much all I got to say about that. Lisa, very nice to have you with us. Again, Michelle, welcome. Lisa, could you just start out giving us a little bit of background about who you are, and then we can jump to Michelle.
1: Yeah, thank you, Bart. And I would also like to take a moment to welcome anybody that's joining us through the Cloud Native Containers user group, the one that, um, that John and I have been running for, oh my gosh, almost 10 years now. Um, it wasn't always Cloud Native Containers. It was OpenStack. It was Kubernetes. It was a whole bunch of things. Um, so I, many of you know me through the SF Bay, uh, cloud-native community that I've been in for so many years um, and uh, these days I'm at Cockroach Labs for my you know day job as, as I'm doing open source stuff still in the evening and I'm a CNCF ambassador so I will also be getting my butt down to LA um, next week and I hope I will see so many of you for the first time in person in at least two years Um, so I'm really excited about that Um, but uh, I so I had developer relations at Cockroach Labs and I have the absolute pleasure of getting to work with Michelle who is amazing um, and who we are featuring in either of these user groups for the first time so today is a very special day for us so Michelle would you like to take a minute to introduce yourself
2: Hi everybody. I am a senior technical content writer for Cockroach. I'm also a front end developer by training and I do open source in my also abundant free time in the evenings, which is like this big, but still. And I'm super happy to be here today. As I put in my bio, front ender, but Kubernetes curious.
0: Oh, very, very good. That's good. Well, you're in a very good place then. Um, So Michelle, can you just tell us, give us a little bit of background We saw this in the meetup description about how this kind of went about. What was the impetus? You know, what really got this whole, you know, need to study what you took a look at? What got got all that started? So we've reached
2: a point with Kubernetes where we basically know how it works and how to work with it. So, you know, everybody was like head down for a long time because it's pretty complex and the ecosystem had to develop quite a bit anyway. So, but now we can like actually like lift our heads up and look around and wonder how are other people working with it. So if you go and look for how to work with Kubernetes, you can find tons of resources obviously, but how, like, how is Kubernetes being used? There's very little out there. So we were wondering that at Cockroach, um, our partners over at Red Hat were wondering the same thing. So we decided to do this very targeted survey. So we mainly talked to systems architects and some pretty high level you know, project managers. So less like boots on the ground, developers and engineers, as much as the people who are like evolved at more of a strategic and planning level. And that's really cool with the DOK survey because that's much more talking to like everyday, like sleeves rolled up, people actually down in there working in it. But um, I would like to say too, that out of the 200 companies we talked to, which were primarily very large corporations, um, like global, like the Fortune Global 1000. Mm-hmm. Um, out of all of the people we talked to, I had something I was going to say after that, and I completely forgot.
0: That's all good. That's part of the magic of doing things live. That's what makes these things fun. So you were. Explaining- I can't hear you. you. Oh, sorry. No, no. no. You can't. No, no can I you? I can. Yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we have we have different things going on here. Uh, Michelle, can you hear me now?
1: Uh oh. I think. Uh-oh. I know uh, michelle's been having we had these issues yesterday with michelle's okay. uh, volume that's as okay. well um or we're, microphone we're
2: fine until just up to this second but okay the, but you're what, back. That's,
0: that's the magic. back it's all good it's all good yeah um okay. so uh michelle you were explaining that you talked to 200 primarily large corporations most of which belong to uh the fortune uh 1000. And in terms of the profile of the folks that you were talking to like you said some some pretty high level folks contrasting you know, the, the DOK um, research report that came out where there was a mixture of different profiles, uh, 500 different people were interviewed, some CTOs, some CIOs, and some engineers. And then you were gonna lead onto something after that.
2: So what I was saying is, I think this is a really interesting approach that we had like two divergent, what would you call them, cohorts that we spoke with sort of. I mean, there's definitely crossover, but for the most part, but I think just from the really quick glance I've been able to take at the DOK report, that the what we found really backs up and kind of amplifies what the DOK report found. We're seeing a lot of the same things. I mean, the numbers might be a little different, but the trends are pretty consistent. So that's, you know, that's comforting. But I am um, much more able to talk about what we found because like I said, I only had a couple seconds to really look at the <laughs> today. Okay. I know. Like, <laughs> Lisa sent it 19 minutes before we were supposed to start.
1: But I had a sneak peek, and I, I can absolutely um, you know double down on that. It's it's good to know the communities are consistent. Um, and one of, the, uh, one of the one of the things that that came up in both of the reports is that the fact that databases are really the the number one workload that people are, are running on Kubernetes. And you know I remember just. Even two years ago, when I was at my last cloud data startup, and you know, solving those day two problems, running stateful applications in Kubernetes was like, uh, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? You know, it, even even from why, you know, why would you do it? Can you do it? And how are we going to do it? And now it's it's amazing. People are like, yeah, absolutely. That is what's making us two times more productive. You know, that is. Um, that's why we're going to kubernetes and it's so cool to see you having been in this kubernetes community for so long it's so cool to see it come to this point where you're actually getting um, this productivity in production running workloads
0: yeah I think
2: we only got stateful sets in what 2018
0: so yeah looking at the evolution that's a really good point and that's and that was kind of like um you know like if you want to say a turning point or a milestone on this journey towards you know, First of all, is this conceptually even possible? Does it make sense? In what cases it makes sense? And then, Lisa, what you mentioned, you know, seeing the ability, you know, just going back two years, your, you're like, what? Why are you going to do that? This sounds totally crazy. And little by little, you know, and then, you know, once again, if it weren't for um, the input and experiences of, of folks such as Lisa that have seen this firsthand and interacting directly with the practitioners that are working with this kind of stuff and the issues and difficulties and challenges that they're having which then gives rise to the need for a community that's specifically focused on this. Um, so it's really cool to see how these things have evolved. That being said, Michelle, I believe you have a presentation. If you'd like to share that, we can jump right in.
2: Sure, okay. let's, let's see how this goes, okay. It's
0: gonna go well. Now we're really gonna test that bandwidth. <laughs> no, the thing is, I always say this, but as much as we talk about difficult technologies like data on Kubernetes, few things can be as challenging as Zoom. Um, I know, right? <laughs> it's like hilarious. Yeah. yeah,
1: I think all three of us, I don't know if anyone else, I got booted out like a minute ago and came back in, I'm not sure what happened there, so sorry if, um, maybe it's my computer too, um, but this good. is all good. But you know what's going to be even harder part is trying to do a show in person next week for the first time in two years. That is, you know, I can't even get my mind around it. That's, yeah. that's going to yeah, be Yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's a pretty significant change. I mean, like I said, yesterday we did this UOK Students Day, which was six hours long, but obviously, it's just you know cycling through speakers that are online, doing things in person. It's you know it's all and really the hybrid kind of stuff. I find that even more challenging. Oh um,
1: yeah, that's that's not that's like doing two shows at the same time, but exactly. you're actually live for one of them. Yeah, you you just need two teams. <laughs> Anybody out there? Best <laughs> practice. <laughs> who's
0: yeah, got an extra team. Who's got an extra team that's got nothing to do and wants to jump in? I'm sure. Yeah, exactly.
1: You know you have to do that which is good because there's still travel restrictions and there's still people who you know can't go places and so you know that's that's how we're supporting this one as well but we just did jam uh, jamstack comp yesterday and It was, I don't know if you heard about the great power outage in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. Um, an entire city block went down. And of course it was where they were broadcasting the (laughs) conference from. So they had to like boomerang it out to their guy in England, who's like sitting in this dark room and he's emceeing the conference from there. And we were live in the booth all day long because it was supposed to be designated hours. But since the whole schedule got messed up, it was, I think I was on camera for 10 hours yesterday (laughs) in the booth. I just never stopped it was a it was a crazy thing but it was a great conference that's a great community by the way and netlify did a fantastic job even working through the glitches and jamstack is a really fun community and talk about a community that you know needs to learn about the importance of, of databases and cloud native databases and you know a community that historically hasn't really wanted yeah. to worry about the database. They want to mm-hmm. like be every like app intensive. You know, you've got a lot of web developers, front end developers, and they want everything running, you know, locally if they can. And then now all of a sudden it's like, no, you, you still need to store some data
0: somewhere. Like that has to happen. Yeah. And yeah. we think we're a good fit for that. <laughs> Just in case everybody's wondering, definitely a good fit. Awesome. So, all right, Michelle, do you want to uh, share that screen?
2: I will share my screen. I am. Yeah. Um, this is the first time I've ever done this, so that's okay. if first it time gets that's okay. Okay. And then, if it doesn't work, I think I have your deck as well.
0: Yeah, we can always if... swap in or out. That's totally fine too.
2: Are you looking at my deck? Um, I can be, <laughs> I was
0: what are you guys seeing
2: right now. Oh, no, we're just, I, I, I don't, just don't see, you. see...
0: <laughs> you look great. So that, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. Yeah.
2: We should just, we should just go with that. I just look, oh,
0: great. Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. yeah, Lisa, if you want to share your screen, go for it. I will. And then I can talk through it. So I don't have to worry about stumbling. That's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: fine. But you, so you are sharing now, um, yeah.
0: So yeah, Michelle, you there should be just a red button that says stop share. There you go. Good job. Awesome.
1: Okay. So now I have to figure out how to do this. So you go ahead and talk talk through your first talking point while I figure this out. Right. Sorry everybody. We're um, you think we would have this Zoom thing down by now, but uh, we don't. But let me
2: share. I'm going to share this.
0: It's all
2: good. Well, we started out by talking about just um, why we did the survey. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And then, um, what I really wanted to do with this survey was definitely drill down as far as we could into workloads because workloads really tell the story of how Kubernetes is being used day by day to just really get stuff done. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Kubernetes is just a platform for getting applications built and deployed. So, I guess it's no surprise that 94% of everybody we talked to is using Kubernetes in production. And um, what we did then was ask them exactly like what's your permutation there? So we are able to see that they are running either, like there was this really weird split. So 80% of the people who are running Kubernetes are running like either a big, Number 15 or more workloads, or a small number is like one to five workloads. So there was just this big split. Everybody else is running like somewhere in between, but that was just a scattered handful. Basically, it's either or. So big, you know, go big or stay small. So it was really interesting to see what that was because it was really consistent when we get into some of our other results. We saw a similar split that's related to this, and we were trying to figure out what that would mean. So the hypotheses we kind of came up with was that it's like like an adoption journey, I guess. Companies are likely to start off with a small number of applications or services on Kubernetes when they're just getting started because they need to establish that comfort level working with any kind of complexities, especially if they're fairly new to distributed applications in general. But once they're successful, adding more workloads is pretty easy, so they're able to grow pretty quickly. But then it also like, why would they skip mostly from very small to very large? I think that would be what happens is people are like, hey, let's put everything on, this is cool. So like all of a sudden they're running a bunch, but at a certain point, once you really get pretty good at day-to-day operations, you're like, wow, maybe this is too much. And so maybe what we see is like an emerging economy of scale so as they gain familiarity and efficiency, they like, they realize they can consolidate things and kind of like go back down again. So we didn't actually expect this. Of course, this is the first time we ever did this survey. So next time we do it, we wanna frame the questions in a way so that we can understand if, you know, how long you've been doing this and like at what point have you changed the numbers if you've changed numbers? Because I would really like to confirm that this is kind of an adoption journey. like you start small, you go big, and then eventually maybe you come back around to small again. So I would definitely be interested in hearing from anybody who's watching today that might have done this and have some thoughts about it. Okay, next one.
1: Yeah, and Bart, I can't see the um, question, so you'll have to, if there's Oh, no, any no, yeah,
0: don't worry, don't worry. definitely will.
2: Okay, so I'm trying to forward the slides. Did that work? Yep, good job. So after we talked about how many workloads are you running, we asked like, how are you running them? Like what kind of teams have you got? So um, the big result here was that 94% are running Kubernetes in production, 95% of those running Kubernetes in production are doing it in-house. Like only 5% are using managed services which kind of surprised me at first, but when I stepped back and thought we were talking to some very large companies, You know, they're the ones that have got the deep tech bench and can actually pretty much be hands-on with it. But this is the other split I was talking about. So it's the type of teams that are doing this. It's pretty much evenly split between a dedicated DevOps or SRU team running everything or that they've spread the responsibility out among a bunch of different teams. So if we go to the next slide, there we go. So you can see that um, 43% of the people are doing cross-functional teams and then everybody else. There were actually six people we talked to who had a dedicated team of one person. I bet that one person is very busy all the time. I thought that was funny. I don't know why. And then... um, of the people who have dedicated teams, the most of the teams are actually about two to 10 people, and then um, slightly fewer than that is 10 or more. And again, that really breaks down to company size that pretty much correlated to the bigger the company the bigger the team, which totally makes sense. What didn't correlate though, interestingly, was cross-functional versus dedicated. That didn't really seem to have any relationship to anything. I think each company is doing what's best for them.
1: You know, I think this would also be a good time to talk about when I see that a dedicated team of one, I'm thinking like, you know, woman or man in a garage with a dog. The one is probably the dog. Right. <laughs> so, you know, are we interviewing mom and pop shops here?
2: Are we did we mostly talk to startups or do we talk to large enterprises? I think this would be a good time to talk about who we surveyed. Yeah, these were all very large companies. I mean, we talked to companies like Verizon, we talked to major banks and financial institutions. I think we talked to like Citibank, um, Credit Suisse, we talked to Sony. Um, my personal favorite was Harley Davidson, the motor motorcycle oh,
0: manufacturer.
2: I mean, nice. yeah, right? All right.
0: So cool. there are a couple
2: of cool things in there. But, yeah, but I- um
0: but i think as as, a, as another thing because this is a question that we frequently ask and obviously it's a question that both of you would understand very well is that we we're, we're often asked you know as this is live stream number 95 we've asked, we've asked this question many many times um is you know kubernetes ready for data if so why if not why not and if why not what are what are the, what are the issues is it a talent issue is it a technical issue is it a financial issue and seeing this this thing of you know like you said a dedicated team of one particularly in very, in very large organizations that have plenty of cash, um, it, it, it invites lots of other questions. You know, Why is that the case? Is it the scarcity um, of talent that is just very difficult to find people who are qualified to do this? They need 15, 20 years experience working with databases. Anyway, it opens up so many other conversations and that's what's so exciting about being in all this a you know, very nascent sort of sphere space that's growing as more people get in on it and start to understand exactly what's going on and based on that what we can expect in the future so anyway i love it
1: and that's one of the places where um where the dok community report really dove in deep and and that's what we found out when we were going through that data right that it it is a, a talent issue right that's i mean and this this happens we've seen this happen with almost with so many open source projects that have you know everybody dove into creating the project um, and then it took a while to catch up with like oh wait we gotta think about the training and the operators and we gotta remember the architects and you know who's out there actually using this stuff. We had so much fun building it but let's train the people that are actually going to be using it. And so we do see, you know, the technology was adopted but the the talent in to the scale that that the technology was adopted is Lagging behind a little bit, so uh, if everybody's listening, go out there and get your CKA certificates. Go take those classes,
0: it's, well, yeah, um... and also watch the webinar that we did with uh, with Keith not that long ago, where they were specifically talking about you know getting you know does it make sense to get a CKA or a CKD, um, you know, and and there are different advantages. A lot of it is that yeah, it does help you get more jobs. It also organizes the learning for you so that you have you know a very clear objective that you're that you're working towards. Um, so there is really a lot of practical value in doing those certifications.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if, if we're going to get into it here. I don't want to um, get ahead of your slides, Michelle. But another of the the things that of the findings was. Um, just the complexity of it, you know, how do you simplify? More automation, more standardization came up a lot and operators came up a lot. Uh, Michelle, are you gonna go into that in a little bit?
2: No, we're gonna stick with the high level trends, the adoption okay. trends themselves. Um, the most, mostly we, we will get to one aspect of that. Okay,
0: all right, well, we'll cover it more at the end. Um, if I- uh, I'm if sure no, because operators are, that definitely featured in our report. And it's something that also comes up in a lot of live streams. Anyway, Michelle, continue.
2: Okay, so let's go to the next slide. So this is where we took the two things, we saw the two different splits and combined them just to see how that would play out. Like, what would that tell us? So we've got the nearly 50-50 split between small versus um, triple the size workloads, like less than five or more than 15. And then there's the same 50-50 split with the type of teams operating the workloads, um, either dedicated SRE or SRE DevOps or the cross-functional. So if you look at the chart, and I don't want to get too bogged down in this, and we've got um, the link at the end, and we'll drop it in the chat too, so that you can go and like geek out on the numbers yourself if you're finding this particularly fascinating. Um, But what we found out is that the distribution of responsibilities, whether it's dedicated DevOps SRE team or cross-functional teams, is the same, it doesn't matter if they're running just a handful or a bunch. And that was the thing I was talking about, we'd like to drill down into better next time. We just didn't construct the survey in a way that gives us insight into this because we certainly weren't expecting it. So, I mean, for those running their own in-house teams, um, which is 54%, the number of workloads we could tell directly correlates to the size of their team. And you know, it makes sense, like smaller loads equals a smaller dedicated team, larger loads equals a larger dedicated team. But it's telling that the majority are cross-functional teams. And that makes sense when you think about it, because you know, like anybody actually working in a cloud native way, using Kubernetes for everything, not just data, is already comfortable with um, build run teams that can handle responsibilities, each one for their service. So they don't need the dedicated if they don't want to have that. I mean, I imagine the biggest companies probably have both because they can have anything they want. But does anybody have any questions about this?
0: No, like you said, once again, you know, the cost factor, it is one factor. But is it really the only one particularly considering is organizations that you know, snap their fingers and pretty much make anything happen? Um, I think you Do know, have like- to say.
2: That with the, our, our results, I didn't actually make a slide
0: for this. But um,
2: cost was a very low consideration. We asked, you know about concerns. And goals and reasons for adoption and stuff like that. And cost was on there, but it was it finished last place. But again, we're talking to really big companies.
0: But I know, but is it that? But it's still very interesting that it seems like that might be one of the primary, you know, initial. And that's what's always cool too. In the same way with us for doing this, doing this report, you have your assumptions, your beliefs, your prejudices you might have going into it, and then the data actually kind of wakes you up to the fact that actually maybe that's not. It's not actually the case. Um, so I definitely think that it's interesting that, that cost isn't as much of a factor as a lot of people assume it is. And, and same thing, cause this happens a lot too, because we've had, we've had talks as well too about cost control or cost optimization. And for some organizations, yes, you know, that AWS bill hurts a lot or whether it's AWS yeah. or any other cloud provider, but it's one amongst various other factors that also need to be included and that the conversation isn't just blinded or overwhelmed by the cost factor. So anyway, like that a lot.
2: So, if we go to the next slide, I just tried to. <laughs> Nothing happened. Oh, there we go. There we go. So, I think this is something that starts to get a little more detailed and interesting, which is the actual type of database that people are deploying. So, we're kind of getting ahead of our big takeaway here, which is when we went to do this survey. We were partnering with Red Hat, and we meant it to be a very general survey. I mean, obviously, we're a database company, so that's what we're really interested in. But we made it like just as agnostic as we could, and the data results we actually got were very compelling. So, um, but I don't want to spoil it. So that's the big takeaway. So let's just let's just look at this one. So this is specifically looking at databases on Kubernetes. So the majority of organizations, 58% are running their data workloads on Kubernetes, but the rest, um, 44%, just manage their database externally still. And we didn't ask about, like, intent to migrate. So that would be something we could do next year. But there was a pretty big spread on how they actually do it. So, you know, a single instance of a database within a single pod, I mean, are you even really kubernetes dude? And then... Uh, <laughs>
0: I love it. Kubernetesing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think that's the first and I hope certainly not the last time I'm gonna hear that. <laughs>
1: that was a first for me too. I love it.
0: Oh, God. You yeah. gotta put
1: that on Twitter. Kubernetes as a verb. Exactly. I was so impressed.
2: Um yeah, are you are you truly Kubernetesing? <laughs> dude, you have to add the dude. Or actually brah.
0: Bruh? Bruh, you actually <laughs> bruh you Kubernetes for real, bruh? Yeah. Bruh, do oh you
2: Kubernetes.
0: Yeah.
2: That's
1: so funny. Okay. All right. Next slide again. I'm guessing. No, but I think that's a really
0: strong point as well, too, is because there's so much pressure to kind of succumb to this Kubernetes, you know, wave of attention and, and boom that's going on right now. That while it's natural that some people fall into that, as you said, what is it what does it really mean to do this? Is it as yeah. is it like, oh, we've downloaded or you know, we're cloud native, you know, we've been in the cloud since the cloud existed um all these kinds of you know technological trends that, that come along there is that kind of pressure but i think that would definitely be a strong title for the next one are you crazy, bro? <laughs> well
2: it, it does look like most people have it pretty well sorted because you know a good half of people are actually running a distributed data price across multiple pods and clusters so they are actually distributing it so thank you all right yeah let's go up to the next one Oh, this is, did we talk about this one? Yep. Ah, okay. And I just want to shout out how awesome our report looks. I think it's just super cool. The data visualizations are really beautiful and fun. Um, I don't know if this is the kind of thing people are all that interested in or not. Um, so we were just showing, wow, I got my slides out of order. Can you go two more down? I'm sorry to do this to you, Lisa. Keep going back up. Sorry,
1: it's there's a delay. I click and then. then oh, we want the.
2: We want the one, one with the triangles. This one. Okay, that one. So, um, well, we asked what kind of data are you guys actually working with? So, forty-six percent of our respondents are working are running their data workloads on Kubernetes, and of those. Um, are running both transactional and analytic workloads, 28% running transaction only, and 13% running analytic only. So, I mean, that's pretty interesting just right there. I mean, I would think most organizations running analytic probably wouldn't look at Kubernetes, like analytic only wouldn't look at Kubernetes as a solution because I mean, I'm definitely interested in your input on this, but I mean, Kubernetes is not exactly your best tool for heavy data analysis. So maybe they're not doing heavy data, heavy-duty data warehouse type loads. They're just maybe running more like light analytics. So that was unexpected.
1: Yeah, I'm curious about that too, Bart. Do you talk to like OLAP companies? Have you have you talked to the folks from Snowflake? I mean, you know, or the old Hyperion stuff? are they running in Kubernetes?
0: That's a good question. In terms of in terms of folks that we've had in our community that have that have touched on this analytics aspect, particularly, it's been through I would say, coincidentally, three Apache technologies: um, hmm. Kafka, Spark, and then also Druid. Well, actually, four. We we had Pulsar, um, and so yeah. So through that, and actually, it was just a couple of weeks ago we had someone from Real Data that was on and was talking very much about Apache Druid, and then of course there's the kind of debate, you know, um, which one do I need to be going through? And so I would say that you know it, because when we look at the report kind of helps us with this too is and, and actually when Lisa and, uh, and I met. Um, over the summer with Sam Ramji from Datasex, we were talking about okay data on kubernetes because it gets confusing that's also why the report helps what is it that we're talking about when we talk about that like. Cla- in the classic well, classic sense when well, once again we're not talking about you know 200 years of history here but storage storage and databases, you know, seem to be like the kind of at the core, you know, like this is where it's kind of first starting where it's happening the most. But then we start branching out into other areas and analytics is definitely one of those areas. Um, and with one of the, one of the companies that's also in our ecosystem, uh, you know, Airbyte, like they're also very active in that, in that area. And I believe they've also um, connected with Cockroach on a, on a couple of, I think, I think on a couple of different things, but I would say that that's, It's not at the forefront necessarily, but it is something that's definitely in the ecosystem. And we were talking about data warehouse. Yeah, we've had, we had a live stream about ClickHouse um, not that long ago with Robert Hodges. Um, So getting that angle there too as well. So like I said, these are things that as the adoption of running data on Kubernetes becomes more normalized, or once this report gets, you know, extensively shared as well as our report that people realize this is not this like secret Illuminati cult that's running data on Kubernetes, that there's actually, you know, a lot of other people that are doing it and in lots of different ways, be it machine learning, be it analytics, be it, um, you know, AI, and which also runs together quite well with machine learning. So seeing that there are different areas in the, if we want to say data on Kubernetes ecosystem that are growing at their own pace. So I would definitely say that analytics is a, is a part of that. Um, and we'll actually be having a live stream, I think, in in November talking about Lake FS so that this is the second time we're going to be talking about that. Snowflake per se. If anybody from Snowflake is out there, you're more than welcome to come on a live stream whenever you want um, because we would definitely like to talk to them because obviously they're they're very well known for what they're doing.
1: Yeah. I'd be really curious. Um, I'll come co-host that one with you. I'd be really curious it, to talk to it. them as well. <laughs> yeah, do it. Cool, cool. All right. I think this, oh my gosh. That's okay. It's I'm, part of the magic. Awesome. Dretching the ability of my little laptop here or maybe it's that oh my gosh sorry it oh, we, got it, we, got,
0: we got a question we got a question um and this is probably asking about the the slides that are uh, still yet to come is uh cluster size and storage solutions part of this survey as well
2: yes it is if you i'm not sure we'll get to it since we're kind of a little bit crippled here so
0: oh no 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 we'll, we'll get to it i'm not worried we'll get to well
2: it we're crippled in that I didn't make slides for it.
0: Oh, but, yeah, but we can just touch on it later. That's okay. I, I
2: got to leave something for people to go, actually. <laughs> There's a lot more to that than what we're actually looking at today. Okay, that's fine. But I wanted to get to the big reveal. So I think click down once, Lisa, and you'll be on the right slide. It's, uh, it's this. Really? That one. That's so weird. You're and like. Then, I think it skips. I'm so sorry, but is this the... That goes to the end. All right, let's just talk about that then. So this is our big takeaway. So the number one concern, we asked all our users, like what are your biggest challenges, your biggest concerns around, you know, architecting and deploying for Kubernetes in production. And half of everybody who answered, like 46% of these 200 very large companies answered modernizing, and architecting for data workloads. That was their no, that was the most mentioned concern, the number one most popular concern. And also 10% of people said that was their only concern. So we, they were able to rank their, their concerns. So, you know, like finding experts and training teams. So definitely like the personnel aspect and recruiting um, cost and then migrating legacy workloads, legacy stacks over. So all of that was in the mix, but people really honed in on data. And what was really, really interesting is of the people who named um, architecting for data, none of them named migrating complex legacy workloads. So what that says to us, this was our big surprise takeaway for us as a data company in a non-data survey was that this would emerge as being so primary for all of these companies. But what that says, if you like step back and consider all of these things together is that of everybody we talk to a full 25% or one out of four companies have already gotten comfortable in the application layer. You know, they're running in production and they're fine. And what they've done is they've they've identified their transactional database as their bottleneck. So this is what they're looking at. This is what they're working on. This is their big focus now. So that kind of goes back to our whole point of having the survey, which is like we figured out how to work with Kubernetes, but like what to do with it is still, how to best use it is still emerging. And that's a question I have for you, Bart, actually, and Lisa, you probably have some thoughts on this, is, you know, early on, Kubernetes had this wrap. is that, you know, you can never run staple workloads. Like didn't Kelsey Hightower famously yes. say, yeah, 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 yeah. So do you think that, I mean, not definitely not in this community, obviously, but outside of this community, is there still that lingering just assumption that Kubernetes is not good for data? Like just don't even think about it. Don't even try it.
0: I'll let Lisa take that first. Go for it, Lisa.
2: Yeah, I think, I think we've worked
1: really hard to, um, to, to get rid of that notion. And I would like to say that it's gone. For four KubeCons in a row, I um, ran a, a co located event called Cloud Native Storage Day. And we got together with anywhere between eight and 12 of the companies that were really um, pushing the envelope in, you know, solving those day two problems running stateful applications on kubernetes containers i mean started with mesosphere right and so we had so many companies who were passionate about this getting together including big companies like red hat and uh, pure storage which is now purchased Portworx, the company i was with at the time and the evolving the 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 evolution of those four different kubecons so it was a two-year period um you know going from really the education and awareness and defining that category, um, you because know, it wasn't a Gartner quadrant. I mean, that category didn't exist. A lot right. of cloud categories didn't exist. So how do we actually validate that this is a real category? But by the fourth one, the customers were on stage Talking about their use cases and talking about what they built, you know, across the whole ecosystem. It wasn't just the storage piece, like Bart mentioned, storage and and I would say uh, databases and you know security and networking. These are all problems that Kubernetes needed the community to to help solve and really needed the customers to push them to solve because it wasn't like you can't just say oh don't do that don't you know don't run stateful sets don't run stateful applications in in containers i mean that it was like no we are going to do this help us figure out how and i i love that these open source communities because people get together and companies who would normally compete get together and figure this out together. And we all help each other and the whole rising tides lifts all boats and I, I see that very much happening with data as well. So I'd like to say that's a thing of the past, um, the, but the question now is how are we going to do it, what's the best way to do it, who are the partners to help, what are the tools out there, what are the operators out there that are going to help us do this so that we can you know get to that finish line
0: faster. I, I completely agree with everything Lisa just mentioned. I would say that, you know, to your to your question, you know, do you interact with with engineers? And that's actually happened even in in the in our community. Like when we explain to people like, hey, would you be interested in doing a, a live stream about data on Kubernetes? And they say, Oh yeah, sure. And you're like, but you know that we're talking about running stateful workloads are like, no, 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 everything's stateless. Like that's why would you do that? And and people that work in great companies, you know, end users, like really, really experienced folks. But it's because you know when you've, you've been learning something and everything up until then or until now tells you, this is the only way it's done, don't even think about doing it that way. It's only natural that people are going to have the reaction. However, um, going along with what Lisa said is when you have, and that's once again the reason why our community exists. We have different folks from the ecosystem who, although they're in different companies, all agree this is really the way to do this. And it's going to be the way to do this um, in the future. So it's better that we're all kind of rowing in the same direction. And, and then the other thing, just to specifically touch on the Kelsey Hightower thing, I just shared the, uh, his tweet that came out in June. I put that in the YouTube chat where he he said you know, publicly, like, I never really imagined my, that I was gonna be saying this, but we finally you know, crossed the chasm that uh, specifically referring to the operator that Google had created for Oracle databases in order to be able to run on Kubernetes, which is called a caro, it means the cart in Spanish. Um, And so, obviously, I think that's somewhat of a turning point. And for us, it was kind of like a breath of fresh air because it always seemed like up until that point, everything was, well, Kelsey Hightower says no. (laughs) And so, and and the thing is, he's worked very hard and he has very good reasons. You know, he's done his homework and and written books and and been been very active. And so, because of that, actually, in the DOK Day next week, we have a panel with uh, someone from Oracle, with Rick Vasquez, one of our community members, um, and then also someone from... Um, from Planet Scale that are addressing this specific topic, and also once again, not only is that you know is Kubernetes ready for for data, but are is, you know operators is that the the only or should that be the primary answer to this uh, challenge, or will there be other kind of deeper integrations that will be going on so that it's not just going to be so operator focused? Going back to your point earlier, Michelle, about you know the sort of army of one building an operator takes time and resources, and so for the, for a company that is a cost, and not not just in terms of money, but in terms of time—the time they're spending on that they can't spend on other things. So you have to really evaluate: like, does it make sense for us to build our own operator, or should we be thinking about other kinds of solutions? So anyway, the debate is still kind of there, but I feel that I feel much, I feel a lot of comfort knowing that um, folks like uh, yourselves at Cockroach Labs. As well as the other companies that are participating in the data on Kubernetes community, that together we share this goal in common. I think it's uh, it's it's becoming less of a, a sort of lonely opinion to have, knowing that you're you're being you know well protected and, and, and well informed also by these organizations that are that are dealing with this stuff in their day to day.
1: Yeah, and Bart, if I can add to that, it was probably at least two years ago that I was on stage with them one of my favorite he was a customer at the time neo the uh, the autonomous car company michael richmond was their um chief architect at the time and i was interviewing him about he was one of the pioneers here to build something and run it and then it was on mesosphere um and then moving it over to kubernetes and i was having him tell his story and how he was how he was doing that for this incredible I and mean, you can imagine how much data an autonomous car a self-driving car would have right I mean, so much data right so uh, he said, he said, Lisa, the only truly stateless application that exists is Hello World. <laughs> Every application has some bit of state, right? So if you think about what we're really talking about, we have been running I and mean, there's been state in containers for a long time, right? There's there's application. So that just kind of, you know, was an aha moment for me. And I, I've quoted that quote, and I always give Michael credit for it, because it just blew my mind. But uh, it's it's really true. So don't be afraid, <laughs> run your
0: staple applications and containers, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Absolutely. Very, very good. Michelle, continue. That's it. Those are that's all I got. Oh, the, okay. This, oh, there's no backwards or forwards. And we go up or down. And then we find a, a mystery slide that was hidden. Um, no, that's cool. That's cool. I
1: think the next one is um a thank you slide that I don't know, Michelle, if you drew <laughs> these
0: things, but they're so yeah. adorable. That's lovely. that's lovely. So there you have a link, folks, if you want to check out the report in more detail. Because we obviously got a sample of this, but what other kind of stuff so we can you know have a little bit of a teaser? What other kind of stuff will folks find in the report?
2: Well, we did a lot more cross comparison. Um, we looked at um, deployment options and what kind of workloads or people running on what, like, spoiler alert, um, Amazon still owns the world. But we kind of did Google a disservice, and I want to say that out loud here. I think we called it out in the report, but just to make sure, um, first, I just didn't have my thinking hat on when I wrote that question, and I conflated um, GKE and Anthos and should have split those out. So I think people only answered yes if they were specifically using Anthos, which is you know obviously going to be not the majority. So I think GKE came in at a lower number than they would have otherwise. So definitely we'll be doing that next year and we'll be doing it better. So that's one thing. Um we asked a bunch of other stuff too. We had some pretty interesting answers around multi-cloud and hybrid do- adoption and we had some really really interesting stuff around serverless. So 88% of people are saying yep we are going serverless like and they will be by the end of the year but you know the way we framed that question was when we did the survey a few months ago like by like in 3 months and 6 months will you have you know already adopted serverless compute and so 39% of people already doing it most of the others said yes we will in the next 3 months or 6 months and you know we're on our way we're actively doing this So only about 8% said we don't have a serverless strategy at this point. And then 2% said, what's serverless? (laughs) So still have our work cut out for us there. So like I said, this wasn't a data-only survey Mm -hmm. the way that the DOK survey is, so.
0: That's true. No, obviously, looking at different areas, different trends that are ongoing. With that in mind as well, um, based on the answers that you got, and, and, you know, because doing a report, it's, it's a lot of work, and, you know, seeing just the amount of work that went behind the report that, that we put out today. Based on the answers that you got, what kind of questions would you like to ask in the future? What are things you're like, oh, now I want to know more about this or what do you think would be the next things? Because that, then that's also the really cool thing about doing a report is you're like, well, mm-hmm. next year we'll be able to compare this data side by side, see the kind of trends, see the kind of changes. What kind of questions, and, and Lisa, I'd like you to chime in on this as well, too. What are the kind of questions would you like to have out there that maybe aren't being answered or aren't being addressed right now? Crystal Yeah. Ball. Yeah. Michelle, go ahead and
2: go go. yeah oh i don't have a crystal ball I'm, I'm dying to hear what lisa says
1: oh you know i know i was actually gonna just bring up a couple of things also that we found out through it's so amazing that we just we did these two reports kind of side by side and there was different questions um and you know the the dok report um went into areas about uh michelle touched on it like how are you running multi-cloud are you running on-prem are you running public private i was really interested that the split was very even across public cloud private cloud and running on prem and like 33% across which was really interesting and um, multi cloud was you know a topic that we've talked about for for a few years and we are starting to see it become a reality as kubernetes, as kubernetes gets more adopted i think you'll see the reality of multi-cloud finally multi-cloud finally becoming a reality um so but i just found that really interesting i'm not surprised that there was so much on-prem i guess i'm i was surprised that there was so much public cloud i have to say <laughs> that was uh, just i mean i think really just from a cost standpoint so uh, of all things and but i guess the from a management standpoint i think that's what that's what's driving people there. So we'll see as those workloads scale and as you know, if those costs can stay in in check if people stay running in public cloud. That was kind of one of my thoughts. So I'd love to continue asking more of those type of questions and see the evolution of that.
0: Yeah. I think it's I think that's an interesting question because it's something that I've I've asked a few times and and I'm sure there are more there's more concrete information out there about the true adoption of multi-cloud um it's something that i've been hearing about since i want to say 2016 2017 um when the company that i was working at rushed into azure and then all of a sudden was like hey but maybe we can start doing stuff in aws and other places as well too and and i'm still and you know because big thing we talk about and cncf as well as dok avoiding vendor lock-in so of course it's where multi-cloud you know really jumps in but i i would like to but i think it's more as on a personal level i just need to kind of research that a little bit more to be better informed about it because as as much as it's something that we hear about i would like to know exactly who's doing it what's working for them what their recommendations are um what are the you know who are the early adopters in this what recommendations do they have for folks that want to do the same thing things of that nature um but yeah definitely i definitely dig the multi-cloud thing. Um, other questions though, like, you know, going back to this thing about operators, was there anything that came up along the way? And Lisa as well, I'd like to like your, you know, sort of cockroach labs vision on this, um, that operators are kind of the go-to solution right now, but can we expect other kinds of solutions? And if so, what kind of solutions might they be? Any kind of comments on that?
1: Um, so, well, that, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not sure If you're asking me or Michelle, but go, go ahead, Michelle.
2: Um, I don't. I don't have in-depth enough knowledge to have like super meaningful opinions here, but it would just seem to me that, you know, you're looking at some different architecture when you're looking at a database. And some of them are traditional that kind of have Kubernetes functionality bolted on top. And some are architected from the beginning to just be distributed. And I would think that for a truly cloud native
0: architecture,
2: data layer to go with your the same architecture in your application layer you're going to have to worry less about operators to begin with and then that would be the place where the solutions really begin to emerge to just kind of get rid of those entirely
1: yeah and just like everyone else we we wrote an operator for kubernetes Um, (laughs) actually uh, that happened over a year ago so um, but I thought this survey was really interesting, that a lot of the people were, um, the DOK the survey, a lot of the, the folks that they needed an operator, but the operators didn't exist or weren't good enough and they were building their own. And then that's where we get back to the, the resource and the talent pool issues, you know, because that, like you said, is, is not necessarily an easy thing to do, but it was worth it, is what we found from, from that data research.
2: So are they scratch building operators? Or are they using, you know, Cube Builder? Does it? I haven't had a chance to read the survey yet in that level.
1: I don't think we drilled down and asked how they're building it. I think the question was more broad than that. Um, and just, you know, it was kind of around the, the need for, for yeah. running that's mine. I mean, Bart, you may have more. Yeah, you know,
0: about g- generally that, and that's also been echoed, in ver- because we've had more than a couple of live streams about operators, we also have a talk about operators in the DOK day next week, and that will also be addressed in the panel. Like I said, with with uh, with the Oracle folks. So, like I said, this has been sort of the common trend there, and and there are, there have been different approaches, but we, one thing is, you know, how it's you know how it's being done. Why it's being done and also asking, given the amount of resources that have to go into the creation of the construction of an operator from a sustainability perspective, you know, if, you know, if folks leave, do we have legacy issues? Um, How are these things going to be updated over time? This is something that's come up in a fair amount of conversations as well with the folks at Percona because they've worked a fair amount on operators as well. And then there's also been talk of could there be an operator to rule all operators? That came up with a company called Tesera that's also in our ecosystem. They're based in Spain and Valencia. Um, you know, could there be one operator to rule them all? But because each operator is generally so designed, tailored, uh, you know, to a, a specific company or a specific open source project, then really having one that could possibly interact with all of them seems rather evasive. Certainly at the moment. So like I said, it's um, it's definitely I think going to be an ongoing part of the conversation. Obviously, we don't want that to be such a dominant, um, you know, agent in the DOK ecosystem that we, once again, as we were talking earlier, analytics is also very exciting. There are other things that are going on, too. It, it does seem to be a kind of a common denominator, but like, what about a talk about operators? Like, well, we've had more than a couple, but there's always room for more. But like you said, you know, Lisa explaining, you know, Cockroach Labs going through the process of, of building that a year ago. How was that? What were the learnings? And what does that tell you about? At the rate at which kubernetes is evolving which i think we can all agree is quite fast um will this be something that's gonna that we can, we'll be, will be we we'll be talking about operators in five years we'll be talking about something else it's one of the things that we we understand that this is still a niche you know that's growing but as more folks start to really get their data on kubernetes when they read this report they get inspired to do it even more so um both reports but starting with the cockroach one because that's what we're focused on right now and, and i already shared the link in, in the youtube chat if anybody wants to take a look at that also going to put that in the description so it's super accessible um easy to take a look at but like i said i think that um i think it's it's just good to see the amount of attention and conversations that are going on this because for example in the case of of cockroach labs michelle how many how many people worked on this report
2: um there were 3 of us i was the main lead and author um i had technical advisor and then i had the person who like coordinated the administrative side of it thank you thank you for not making me do that
1: and we have to give a shout out to the graphics team they they did oh, make I it know. beautiful yeah. So we'll say that a few more, but uh, yeah, you know, another question too um, that we we don't really want to talk about it because we don't want to like shout out any one particular vendor or throw anyone under the rug. But I am really curious about you know roll your own versus distro and which distro and like our our operators on the the Red Hat OpenShift uh, marketplace and you know but what about Rancher? <laughs> what about like who who's gonna really? Because there's some Companies doing some really really cool stuff out there, and then of course I'm out here in the Bay Area where everybody has to run. I love how they call it vanilla Kubernetes. I uh, (laughs) every time someone says that I think yum. I love vanilla. That sounds tasty. Um, But people like to roll their own out here, so uh, that's you know we see that happening too, and that kind of makes it a little bit more complicated because you know not every distro is right with trunk right so you've got this lag you've got this lag of features that's okay if you're a big company and you want one throat to choke and you want the support that you're going to get from going with a a a distribution or you don't have the expertise in-house but it's a fascinating question to me uh to see where that's going to go and i'm i'm just glad i'm not involved in the dis the distro wars we'll
0: call them Yeah, yeah that's kind of a big thing I mean like yeah. that's 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 a conversation that I would say every week there are a couple of comments in our Slack where that's coming up. And like you said, Lisa, that's definitely becoming a, a kind of a contentious battleground. Yeah.
1: And then you gotta talk about standardization and, and then you get into a whole like open source argument and yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, we did have one comment. I'm just, I opened the report right here. And so I think they were asking about, you know, where they can find specifically in the report, the part about um, about storage. And so I'm looking in here. I do see that the part about databases is is on page.
2: Oh, we didn't do. We didn't drill down into storage.
0: Okay, okay, No, no, that's fine. That's fine, that's fine, that's fine. And our report, that's definitely touched on. So yeah, yeah, but if you want to take a look at that, like I said, the the Cockroach report um, on page 26 is where you get that wonderful graphic with all the stuff about Kubernetes and databases. But then as well, too, I already put the link for, for the DOK report if anybody wants to take a look at that. Um, and that'll be in there as well to get more information. And of course, obviously, in both of our communities, you can jump into the DOK Slack, you can jump into the Cockroach Slack, um, and you'll find people that are readily available to 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 take these questions a little bit further if people want more one more depth. Yeah, download.
1: absolutely, um, Bart. If you want to put our Slack link in the uh, in your thing, I'll send it to you. Um, I'm happy to do so that is uh, yeah we're we've got a great uh community always ready to answer questions and i love how these two reports are so complementary it was very validating for me to look at the dok report and like i said for ours we were we focused a lot on the data but then the database stuff out aspect but then it was you know an agnostic report and we did ask a lot of questions that went beyond that um and then seeing the dok report come out i think the dok report maybe reached out to uh different like I think I think they said they reached out to um, C suite and, and VA they reached out to a different uh, group of demographics. Yeah. yeah, to take their point. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, okay. so yeah, they're they're both they're both worth reading. They're both um, really great validations that running data intensive workloads on Kubernetes is definitely a thing.
0: No, I think, but I think also as well is that, you know, it's, it's funny that we're talking about data so much, but then it's really nice when you actually have your own data that you can show people saying like, like, like you said, is that this really is happening. We're not just, you know, crazy prophets wandering around the desert, shouting, yeah. you know, like right this on. is actually, this is actually happening. Um, you know, as much as, as, as much as it's fun to be energetic and passionate about things say, no, like this, this is a real thing that's going on and 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 there's a wide cross section of different companies both in in your report as well as ours um, so that it's not just focusing on one specific industry we didn't just talk to you know to telecommunications companies that are doing stuff with IoT and edge you know there's a, a whole cross section of different uh, different end users that are there and and that's something as well too um, really bringing that in into into account is that one thing is, you know, a vendor perspective, but when you actually go out to the end user and say, like, well, this is what we do with our data, and I'm going to show you how. And in some cases, and well, in, in different ones, and and Lisa, you're well familiar with this too, in the CNCF because of you know the end user lounge. I've seen sometimes, you know, that the the end users are sometimes well ahead in certain areas. Um, compared to compared to vendors and until vendors get the ability to really interact with them and understand their problems. Sometimes it's hard to kind of pin down exactly where the the pain points are and where a vendor can then come in and really provide the help that an end user needs. So yeah, anyway, very, very good stuff. Big fan of reports. Yeah, Uh, the the problems are
1: the problems are created before
2: the solutions.
0: Yeah. That's a very, very good point. Cool. Well, we're just about to finish up. So anyway, Michelle.
2: I have one very important question.
0: Good. And I have one very important point to make after your question, so you go right ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, no,
2: go ahead. So Lisa, your comment about vanilla Kubernetes would indicate the existence of Kubernetes flavors. So is there seasonality to that? Are we in like the pumpkin spice Kubernetes? <laughs> I'm down with that. I really am. Okay, we're
1: gonna we're gonna it's this is gonna be like wine. I am just gonna say, Perry, this is gonna be. Like we're gonna Perry. do Kubernetes distro tasting notes. I love it. <laughs> we will publish that one next time. I'm gonna take everybody's logo. What is Ran- Rancher's the bull? I guess you've got the Suse lizard. We're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna figure out tasting notes for for all these distros. No, but cool.
0: But there's there's actually a lot that you can do with that. There is a cloud native cookbook um, that, uh, that's a really, really cool project. And, and it's actually funny that we're getting to this part of the program where we're gonna show a little bit of art, because I think that the more that we can relate these seemingly intangible kinds of concepts with things that have smells and flavors and things that we interact with in daily life, I think it uh particularly for new folks as well as for existing ones it makes it much more fun and easier to interact with when you know it's like hey we're going to talk about you know um nice white wine and good cheese and things like but we're also going to mix kubernetes in there pumpkin spice because we're getting close to uh you know we're in fall and halloween and all that kind of stuff so i'm definitely a big fan of that that being said i'm going to share my screen uh, because as lisa pointed out in the very beginning we had our graphic recorder working furiously in the background um, so you can probably see my screen now. So he created this uh, while you were talking and I think he did a pretty good job as usual. So this is a nice little visual summary of some of the, obviously you can't touch on all of the points that were mentioned there, but a nice little way, like I said, to, to, uh, to have a, like a, a clear way of, of seeing like this is an entry point into this topic. Now go download the report and get all the juicy details. Um, so anyway, thank you very much, Angel. I know he's listening and he's, he's probably lurking in our YouTube chat. But uh, I love this
1: so much job it as always. So much.
0: Um, Michelle, the point that I wanted to make after your question is that this was your first talk. And it certainly shouldn't be your last because you did a very, very good job.
2: Well, thank you. You made it very easy and fun. And I appreciate that. So
0: and you made it fun for me to be here. So I thank you for that, too. Yeah. Anyway. Awesome. Very, well, very well I'm I
2: am heartbroken I won't get to go to this CubeCon because I've never been to one. And I've always wanted to go. And I was hoping this would, would be it. But Maybe maybe Europe, maybe in the spring.
1: Exactly, yeah. let's let's solve the, the COVID situation and then we'll all go everywhere.
0: Yeah, so yeah, 2022, May 17th to May 20th, it will be in Valencia in Spain. So I will have a mm-hmm. short flight uh, to go there. I'm very excited about that. Um, tomorrow I will be traveling 14 hours to get to San Francisco and then going to LA on Sunday. But I will get to see you, Lisa, and I'm sure other wonderful people from Cockroach, uh, as well as other friends in the Data on Kubernetes community so anyway very much looking forward to that michelle and lisa a pleasure lisa always a pleasure to have you on uh live stream and Michelle, we will be, you are on our radar now, so you will be contacted and we will bring you back. Yes, <laughs> welcome to
2: the community, yeah, Michelle. Yeah. Once, once you're it. in,
0: this is like the mafia. So it's true. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> I'm really Thank- glad to
2: be here, so that's awesome. And thanks, yeah, yeah. Bart. You did a great thanks, job. Thanks,
1: Bart. You're Loved just it. always the best. its I'm so, you know, one community organizer to another. I'm so impressed with what you've done. It's incredible. And I, I just, I love working with you. And I can't
2: Thank wait you, to Lisa. see you next week. Yes. All right, everybody. Take care. Have a good one. Bye, really- everyone.